it's funny, isn't it? Whenever you get asked, how are you? Many people like me, I guess, might default to, yeah, I'm pretty good, thanks, without even thinking about it. How do you feel? It's pretty vague and subjective by definition, right? And how you feel can be influenced by many different factors, inside and out, whether it's your work and your sleep and what you eat and how much you exercise and all those things. And it's easy to just say, oh, well, I need to sleep more or eat better or do more exercise. How much more do you need to do? Because sometimes it can just feel overwhelming and never-ending without some kind of measure or metric or external figure to tell you where you are right now compared to where you are before. It's hard to say if you're doing better, worse, or the same. And when it comes to your health, there are loads of ways you could track things. You could write them down. You could write your height and your weight and your vitals and your blood glucose and all that stuff every day, and you could draw it up in a chart. Or you could plug it into a spreadsheet or an app and do some fancy stuff with it. But if you're like me, you might start doing this for a bit, and then after a while, life gets in the way, or you miss some things, or you just stop doing it altogether because it's too hard. And even if you're more disciplined than me and you track all of it, a lot of these kinds of things are lagging indicators. They tell you stuff when it's probably a bit too late. Well, with me today is Tim Veron and Michelle Woolhouse from Vively. And in this episode, we're talking about how technology can help more people understand their own bodies a bit more and the impact their lifestyle has on them and hopefully take more control of their own health and prevent long-term disease. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech, a podcast and membership community about technology in healthcare. Here's your host, Peter Birch. Between now and the end of June, we're conducting the 2024 Talking Health Tech audience survey. This helps us prioritize content, hone in key messages, and refine the show to make it even better. We also want to understand who the biggest cohorts of our audience are. So I'd love for you to take five or 10 minutes to have your say and complete the survey. Everyone who completes it goes in the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of THT Plus membership credits to put towards a membership for yourself as an individual or to help get the word out about your company. The link to complete the survey is in the show notes of this episode or just go to talkinghealthtech.com survey. With me today is Tim Veron and Michelle Woolhouse from Vively, who are making technology that provides personalized lifestyle and behavioral medicine based on your real-time health data. Tim, Michelle, how are you? Yeah, great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, pretty good. Thanks. Good to have you on the show. Great to be chatting whilst out and about. Tim, we caught up a while ago. It's Michelle. It's great to meet you. And it's good to have you in the the THT Plus community as well, talking about uh, something that's important for everyone. But before we really dive into that topic that we've just touched on, I want to learn about you. Tim, let's start with you. Tell us about you and your background. Yeah, thanks for having us on the show, Peter. So my background is in product and in growth um, at a few different startups and then had a stint actually in VC at a firm called Right Click Capital, where we supported a bunch of founders across largely deep tech in Australia, New Zealand and, and Southeast Asia. But it was there that I met my now co-founder, Michael, where we struck up a, a great friendship and also a, a shared passion around health as well, and both having our own sort of experiences with things, chronic disease and within the family and, and both personally. It was something that we, we both cared quite deeply about. In early 2020, we both 
quit our jobs um, and actually acquired a company called uh, Natural Therapy Pages, which has been around for since 2003 and is kind of the largest directory for allied and, and complementary health services in Australia. So there's over 10,000 practitioners, anything from naturopaths to nutritionists to chiros and physios and a couple of hundred thousand active monthly users coming to the platform to, to find their services. And it was really through that process that, that Michael and I, I guess, saw an opportunity to get into the space um, and to learn more about the healthcare system and to come at it from a bit of a different perspective. Since sort of early 2020, when we took over Natural Therapy Pages, we decided we wanted to use that experience and leverage that platform to tackle lifestyle-driven chronic conditions, which is sort of the largest health problem that we face as a society in Australia and around the world. And, you know, our, our sort of thinking was that we needed to really go direct to the consumer and empower them to create healthier lifestyles and, and behaviors. And so, you know, it was from there that we, we then founded Vively in October last year and, you know, as our way of trying to solve the problem. And so that's sort of what, where we then met Michelle and we've got now a great team of, of eight of us trying to solve the problem. Oh, wow. Cool. Very nice. Very nice. Keen to learn about Vively in a sec, but Michelle, tell us about you. So I'm a GP, been in clinical practice for 20 years. I guess a couple of years ago, I sold my practice. So I was just looking for a, a new way of reinvigorating my, I guess, my practice of medicine. So I've been a lifestyle and holistic integrative GP for about 20 years. And so I've always had a strong interest in prevention, in holistic care, looking at multiple different factors that affect people's health from sleep to exercise to nutrition and obviously mind-body aspects as well. So stress, relationships, emotional health and the perception of stress. Yeah, I've always been really passionate about education and how we can kind of really start to deal with big picture aspects because it can sometimes be quite frustrating as a GP working with patients one-on-one. And you find yourself repeating the same health advice over and over to people one-on-one, whereas really so much the issues with lifestyle-related diseases are factors that are social, things that people do every day rather than just when they get sick. And so when I met Tim and Michael at Vivaly, there was a real synergy between, I guess, our vision and our passion for trying to tackle the aspects of chronic disease and leading that with real changes in lifestyle and using lifestyle medicine at the forefront of what we're doing. Okay, got it. And so then Vively, understanding the, the, the context a little bit more, what is it, Tim? Tell us about Vively, what it is and how it works. Yeah, sure. So Vively is really setting out to try to solve lifestyle-driven conditions by addressing the lifestyle and behavioral component of that problem. What we're working on is is basically empowering consumers with information, but also with a a real-time feedback system that shows them how their lifestyle factors, such as their their food they eat and their dietary choices to their exercise and sleep and stress, how that affects their health in real time so that they can make informed choices about making healthier choices and then also, you know, nudging them to create healthier behaviors over time as well. Very cool. So talk, talk to me about some of the technology that you said it was an application, like a smartphone app? Yeah, that's right. We're actually just about to launch a new version of the app in the coming weeks. But basically, it's an app that, that integrates with sort of the common wearables, so Apple Watch, Fitbit, all those devices. But we also integrate with continuous glucose monitors. We've integrated with one of the most sort of common popular continuous glucose monitors in Australia to really bring in glucose data and blood sugar level data and mix that with 
things like heart rate, heart rate variability, looking at exercise and, and workouts and, and giving people sort of personalized insights into how their lifestyle is affecting their blood sugar levels and, and some of their health, other health metrics in real time. That's interesting about the glucose side because, you know, I often hear about measuring sleep and stress and any other kind of things that you want to put into an app or it might be getting captured. But Michelle, talk to me about continuous glucose monitoring or just monitoring glucose in general, why that's important and on the radar here. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the most important kind of indicators of person's health is how much they stay regulated within a in a small framework. The scientific word behind that is homeostasis. So how we create balance. And we have this really tight measure within our blood. So we regulate our salt and potassium levels. We regulate our glucose levels. We regulate our temperature levels to these really fine degrees. And so glucose is one way of looking at how the body creates homeostasis. In a preventative levels, we like to kind of keep the sugars between 3.5 and 5.5 is thought to be normal. And obviously when you eat a meal, it's normal for the sugars to slightly elevate. But a lot of people actually when they eat a meal, particularly one loaded with carbohydrates or if they're eating sugary snacks like you know, having a soft drink or a chocolate bar or some other kind of heavily processed food like potato chips, their sugars will actually spike. And to see that in real time is actually quite a good way of showing people the impact of dietary choices on their blood sugar levels. Now, of course, in a healthy person, that sugar spike will naturally come down because insulin will rise and the insulin will then push the sugar into cells. But over a long time, if we're getting dysregulation of sugars as the sugar consistently over a long period of time stays elevated, we require more insulin. And that then can lead to things like insulin resistance subacute inflammation, cytokine release, and all of these other factors that we know are related to chronic disease, diseases such as fatty liver, type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, obesity per se. And so it's just one of the factors that we can look at that actually fluctuates through time. And so blood glucose levels also fluctuate on how you sleep, whether you've got a temperature, whether you've gone for a walk. So for example, in some people's cases, if they've had carbohydrate loaded meal and they were to go to, for a walk within say 30 minutes after that meal, they'll be able to use the exercise to further regulate their sugars. So it's a great way for people to, to look at how they can interact. So they can have a big carbohydrate loaded meal and sit on the couch and they'll see their sugar levels rise. <laughs> or they can have a big carbohydrate meal and go for a walk and see it rise, but then moderate. And so they feel a sense of empowerment when they can make those choices and they can actually see the result of those choices in real time. The Talking Health Tech podcast has evolved a lot over the years, all based on audience feedback. Now I need your help. Yes, you to shape the future of this show. Between now and the end of June, we're running our biggest campaign to date in order to understand what makes the global healthcare ecosystem tick. Last time we ran our Talking Health Tech audience survey, we learnt 40% of our audience are clinicians, 77% of our audience tune in for professional development and market awareness, 8% of people listen to Talking Health Tech for competitor profiling, and only 2% of people listen to the podcast to fall asleep. And this time around, I can't wait to find out about your preferences for audio versus video content, which topics we should dive into more, preferences for hosts and formats and geographical reach and so much more. And don't worry, we'll be sharing all the insights once all the responses are collected as well. So if you're a supporter of Talking Health Tech and you can spare five or 10 minutes, please complete our 2024 audience survey. 
and to say thanks for your input. Everyone who completes the survey goes into the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of credits towards THT Plus membership. Go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey or the links in the show notes of this episode as well. I would imagine the monitoring of blood glucose levels would be quite a common occurrence for someone with diabetes. And I'm quite familiar with, you know, finger pricking and everything. I've, I've seen that. This concept of continuous monitoring, though, that's really interesting. So it's something that's a bit more than just doing a test at a point of time. Is that right? Yeah. So obviously with type 1 and type 2 diabetes, we encourage people to regularly look at their sugars. So type 1 diabetics will need to look at them throughout the day. So continuous glucose monitors were absolute game changers for type 1 diabetics. And what they can do is by using a sensor, you can easily record your sugar levels and then that can dictate on how you might make further choices, how much insulin you might need. And again, they can look at using things like exercise to moderate some of the choices they might make. But with type 2 diabetes, obviously we encourage people taking their sugars for information, but it's also quite difficult taking a finger pricks a little bit painful. I mean, the skin thickens up and people over a period of time tend to wax and wane with their enthusiasm to how <laughs> often they take their blood glucose levels, particularly if they're not insulin dependent type 2 diabetics. If they're in the early stages or they're monitoring via diet and lifestyle change alone, the fluctuations of taking one or two glucose measures throughout the day doesn't give you the huge picture that you can get from actually a continuous glucose monitoring scenario. Now you can see much more nuanced behavior, highs and lows and dysregulation in a much more specific way. Yeah. yeah. And I think I've seen these devices or the, the, the monitors too. They're like a little patch, right? They're not overly obtrusive or anything. It's just you stick it on your own. Yeah, they're incredibly unintrusive. Like you can exercise, you can shower, you can even knock it and it doesn't come up. When you put it on, it's virtually painless. They're quite incredible. It's a very simple process to put them on and to wear them is incredibly simple as well. Like they don't bother you in your sleep. They don't bother you in, with clothes. They're really quite well designed. That's, that's good information for people that are interested about the continuous glucose monitoring side. But Tim, then, so for, for Vively, then there's a, obviously a lot of people with diabetics and need to monitor, but is, is it, a, so is this a, it's not a, a, an app just for people with diabetes though, is it? It's something much more than that. That's right. I think what we're trying to do is there's been some research that's emerged in, in recent years that has shown that it's actually quite valuable to monitor your blood sugar levels, even if you don't have diabetes. So there's actually a large group of people that are pre-diabetic. So they're heading towards diabetes. And so, you know, they have their blood sugar levels might not be, you know, at full type 2 diabetes levels, but they might be heading that way. So I think from a prevention sense, it's really valuable for people to understand what are the aspects of their lifestyle and behaviors that are actually leading to, you know, spikes in their blood sugar levels, which over time would lead to type 2 diabetes or, or even other chronic conditions as well. So really what, what Vively is trying to do is, is making that technology and making that information much more meaningful for the population outside of diabetes so that they can use that information and that personal insight to make lifestyle and behavior choices that will help them prevent chronic conditions from occurring in the future. And then so this point around chronic disease and preventing it, because a lot of people might see a chronic disease as something that, say you get it, and it's kind of like a life sentence and you just have to deal with it now and or it's just, it's just snuck up on you and, and there it is now. Now you've got to deal with it. A lot of the cases, these things are 
preventable and potentially reversible. Is that right, Michelle? 100%. And I think the research shows for people who reach the age of 50, if you've got one chronic disease, you're likely to have two or more. And if you get to 50 and you haven't got a chronic disease, then you're less likely to kind of go on and get it. Now, what that means is that most of the underlying reasons for people to get chronic diseases is actually effectively the same. So that is a, there are lifestyle issues like lack of exercise, carrying excessive weight, particularly in the viscera. So we call that visceral fat or central obesity. Things like depression is now has an inflammatory component, so a lifestyle medicine component to it. So when you carry excessive weight and you fail to exercise or you have large amounts of fat and less muscle mass, your ability to regulate your metabolism and support the physiology of the body becomes less. And so that sets off a vicious cycle of increasing subacute inflammatory chemicals, sets off the cascades that impact you in a kind of chronic way. That's why like lots of chronic diseases are actually attached to each other. So for example, if you get diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, you're much more likely to have depression. You're much more likely to go on and have cardiovascular disease. You're much more likely to have fatty liver and on and on it goes. So for example, you've got polycystic ovarian syndrome. You increase risk of chronic diseases are based on those physiological impacts and genetic risk factors as well. So looking at prevention across the board, that's the beauty of lifestyle. Like lifestyle Medicine is just so incredibly safe, but it's so incredibly effective and across multiple modalities. So by supporting one aspect of the body, you'll go on and support multiple different aspects of the body. So it's less reductionistic and much more holistic. We'll go into about individuals in a second, but I'm just thinking about the situation that we're all in, I guess, all of the the external factors, the big picture for a second. There's a lot of stuff happening outside of us as well that are kind of really not making it easier for us to drive a lot of healthier habits in society, right? There's multiple different internal aspects that we can look at, but also external factors impact our health as well. So things like exercise choice and amount of exercise, there's an incredible amount of research that suggests certain levels of exercise can decrease all-cause mortality by 40%. And we know in the statistics that there are a lot of Australians still not reaching adequate amounts of movement or exercise on a regular basis. Factors such as sleep. So screen time has been a huge shift in human behaviour over the last 10 years. There was a recent report over the last couple of weeks saying our teenagers are the least slept group of humans in human history because of increasing screen time as well. And then also there's a lot of stress pressures. I mean, I think all of us Australians know that there's an increase in cost of living and there's some financial stresses around. The pandemic was a huge example of external stress that we felt a little bit out of our control in many ways. And also Australians are some of the longest working people across the world. So many ways we've lost quite a lot of our leisure time. And you combine that with things like debt and poor sleep, et cetera, you're looking at the fabrics of society that need to be addressed. And so that's what Vively does is, is that sometimes we feel a little bit out of control with our external factors, but by understanding our own physiology can actually help to empower us to make some changes that are external to us. So sometimes as we exercise more, we start to sleep better. We sleep better, we start to have better food choices, we get better food choices, we get better mood, better mood, better relationships vicious cycle that sometimes we can feel we're in can actually be turned into a positive cycle given the right cues and motivations and moments in time 
that can accumulate and really help people to feel that they've got control, you know, when they previously felt that they haven't had control. Yeah, boy, I mean, that that message resonates well with me. Like you say, this current climate is, you know, not my definition of a, of a holiday, put it that way, in terms of all those external factors <laughs> that you mentioned. But then at the same time, when you look at all the things that, you know, we should be doing better in inverted commas, it's like, it's a bit overwhelming, isn't it? I got, I got to sleep better. I got to eat better. I got to exercise more. I got to do this. It's like, sure. Like, but then like you say, you, you do one thing, you, if you're now the sleep side, then potentially then that rolls on to other things as well. So there's a lot of benefit there in just starting. Well, that's the a brilliant segue, Pete, into what we actually found out when we started producing this educational aspect of Vivaly was that we started to build in a framework of habit building. So just starting with one habit and doing small things regularly end up making the biggest changes. So a lot of people think they have to change everything all at once, but because it's so interconnected by changing one small thing all the time, gradually creeping up, and then also just acknowledging some of the benefits that you're gaining, but also the sense of achievement that you're experiencing can help to build confidence, can extend motivation, and just support that aspect of habit building over the platform. And that's what the app is attempting to do as well, is to support people's healthy habits for a longer term rather than just a short-term intervention. Absolutely. There's a lot of... uh quick fix programs out there that will be exciting for those couple of weeks, but then not provide any long-term sustainable change. And I guess as I think about that a little bit more too, in terms of accessing healthcare generally and the, the internal factors of motivation and the, and the habits thing is, is really cool. But I guess as well, like we've changed in the last few years, Tim, on how we, how we do everything almost like accessing services and food and everything. No doubt this is, this is true for health as well, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, I think society makes it really difficult as well to make healthy diet and, and lifestyle choices. I don't think that the way that we've architected choice has been designed very well. I think it advisedly, you know, the way that we think about it is, well, all of these external things are really hard and really complex problems. Well, how can we control for some of these internal things like motivation? Just further to what Michelle has, has just spoken about, you know, we see behavior change as kind of like this flywheel where there's sort of three, sort of broadly speaking, three three buckets. There's someone's internal motivation to change. It's the opportunity to change. And then it's also the capability to change as well. And so we look at a capability, for example, this is someone's mental and, and physical capacity to engage in change. And what that sort of means is do they have the, the necessary knowledge and skills to make that change. So at Vively, we're all about trying to empower people with obviously the evidence-based research and, and education around lifestyle and, and behaviors. But then we also try and empower people with their own health information so that they have their own inherent knowledge about what lifestyle factors are affecting their health. And then the way that we sort of think about motivation, which is all about how we energize and, and get people to actually engage in behavior change is by looking at sort of the, the stages of change model, which is, you know, a foundational theory of behavior change that says that people are at constantly fluctuating stages of change. So you might be highly motivated, as you said, for, for a few weeks, but that can drop off quite quickly. And so I think what we need both at Vively, but also on a, on a society level is staged matched interventions to help people move from different stages of change and motivation. 
And the last one is, is opportunity as well. And so that they're all of the factors that lie outside of the individual that make behavior change possible or prompt it. And so that's how we think about behavior change at Viably. And if I was to put that in the context of someone listening to this podcast, then say, you know, they're, they're in a in a boat that's similar to many probably where they're, they're at least interested in taking a bit more control of their own health or getting things underway, make some healthier choices. They get it conceptually, but it's like they might have started a few things and then it's all kind of just stopped because life gets in the way. Anything that to point people in the right direction to start thinking about making some some more effective change, Michelle, maybe? Yeah. So, I mean, I think we all feel that same way, Pete. Like, I th- don't think... It's a very I'm asking common... for a friend, of course, by the way. Yeah. A... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we all need friends, don't we? So, <laughs> yeah. So basically, I mean, everybody is, is, is effectively the same. I mean, life gets in the way, social functions get in the way. Sometimes we get ill and all of our healthy habits do tend to disappear or become harder. And it takes us an enormous amount to kind of restart again. We thought about that a lot at Vivaly, how people actually interact with technology. There's coming and going, and we've actually designed the way that the user uses Vivaly to try and match that level of motivation. And so using health data all the time is something that we suspect people won't want to do all the time. And so that ability to use the data and gain the insights and then have a rest and come back again is the way that Vivaly has kind of evolved over time. And we think that that really matches and can support people longer term. And so we built in part of our behavior consultant, building in aspects such as body image and and aspects such as mental health support around those changes is really a way that we have created that human aspect of Vivaly. So it's not just a set and forget type model. It's a lot of compassion and understanding through being working in the healthcare system for a long period of time and how we can create that human approach to behavior change. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I think about healthcare generally, and, and we've touched on a lot of times in the past, you know, if we could move to having more prevention and less sick care, then the, a lot of issues could be addressed over a longer period of time. But it's very easy to, for me to say that on a podcast, thinking about, you know, a lot of individuals doing this for their own personal need and improving life for themselves, which is great. Surely this has a a bigger picture, long-term effect when it comes to healthcare systems and everything. Tim, how do we actually get this from it happening in little pockets and actually make this a bit more of a sustainable change within healthcare systems and societies and cultures and stuff? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think if we go back to sort of how we how we think about behavior change and there's this sort of flywheel effect of sort of capability, motivation and, and opportunity, I think where Vively's focus is very much on the, the individual level. So stage matching interventions to help kickstart that flywheel. But I think ultimately the other big way of you know moving that that wheel is through policy and is through policy change. I think as mentioned before, society makes it really difficult to live a healthy lifestyle. So I think there, there needs to be a big concerted effort on the on the policy side to, to make it easier. And so our thinking is that, well, if we can empower the individual to make healthier lifestyle and behavior choices, if we can do that over time and we can help thousands and, and, and tens of thousands, if not millions of people, then, you know, our thinking is that will then drive upward pressure on the system in terms of more funding into research and then ultimately more 
better informed policy decisions that help people make healthier lifestyle and diet choices easier. I think the healthcare system is extremely complex. And I think taking a top-down approach to trying to solve the system for lifestyle-driven chronic disease is is going to take a long time. And that's a very hard problem to solve. Taking a ground-up approach to solving the problem is probably going to be the faster and better way to do that. We thought a lot about this at Viva League and how we look at the social element of medicine as well. Like we know that there's a a big issue within our community about loneliness and disconnection and lacking kind of social support as well. So we've built that into the fabric of Spively as well and see whether we can motivate large groups of people. There's a lot of research that has come from all over the world about how groups can be very supportive of each other for for longer-term sustained lifestyle change. And they've been informing the way that some practitioners have been trying to, I guess, engage the community to make this change because it's much easier to eat a healthy diet and have a healthy lifestyle if your friends and sisters and parents and you know, everybody's doing it alongside you. It's very difficult when the social group or culture that you live in doesn't support that. And so we know that actually at at Vively and that's, we've embedded that into not only our educational aspect, but some of the potential future iterations as we go forward. You know what? There's probably quite a few little hinges that can move big doors. I totally stole that phrase from another podcast, but I'm using it here. The, the, <laughs> when, yeah, well, when you think about, you know, some of the decisions and because we were talking about at an individual level, what you can do for yourself. And then we're talking about like big system change, which feels so difficult to grasp and put context around. But a lot of people listening to the show make decisions that actually impact a lot of people. We were just talking before this podcast recording about how we we're blown away by a conference that was attended to recently actually had healthy food at. So, you know, those decisions get made by individuals. And I think that it's okay to say, well, you know what, it's a health conference, let's have healthy food. Or it's probably not appropriate for children to have ice cream because they did well, let's give them something else because they didn't ask for it, but you don't have to shove it down their face. So I think there's a lot that individuals can do that can actually have big system change, but it can be, be very easy to point to the system in inverted commas and say it needs to change. So I think we can all do little things that can can potentially have, have big ramifications. Yes. And I'll get off my soapbox a little bit here. And no, totally. Be... But I mean, you know, <laughs> if we want to requote as well, like Vincent Lingara, like from little things, big things grow. And I think, you know, like I'm a GP, but I know 83% of GPs are burnt out. And speaking to those GPs, that particular conference, you know, the Lifestyle Medicine association conference is that a lot of them are burnt out they're really frustrated by the system that they're working within and it's a big issue and they know that they could do more with the knowledge that they've got in their head it's just the system doesn't support that change and so again like group work and and empowering education and community-based interventions um was spoken a lot about at that at that conference and and vitally kind of want to support the doctors to be able to help patients engage in an easier way. Yeah, really good cause. Hey, Tim, starting to round out then, Vively, if this has struck a chord for some people for the, for themselves or also have some other ideas on how to partner, how do you get involved? Do you sign up directly to be a, a Vively customer? How does it work? Yeah, so depending on when you, when you listen to this podcast, we've got a wait list on the website at the moment. So you can sign up for a wait list for the launch of our new product, which includes that continuous glucose monitoring aspect to it. So we're launching that product in August. And so at the moment, you can sign up for a wait list and learn more about that product there. 
Do you have to buy a separate monitoring device or it's all part of the offering? How does it work? Yeah, so the way that we've structured things is there's sort of an underlying membership fee that gives members access to the app and to the, the personalized insights. And then you add on the hardware. So in terms of a continuous monitor that comes you know, in the form of a sensor, which typically lasts around 14 days. So we don't require our members to always be monitoring their, their blood sugar levels. What we want to do is actually only probably once every three months, we recommend our members to get the sensor on and get an understanding of how their new lifestyle choices and food and diet and and sleep and stress are affecting their health. So depending on how often you want to monitor your blood sugar levels, the pricing will then sort of vary from there. No, it's cool. People can look at that. So yeah, you don't have to go out and buy a separate monitor or something and then try and connect it all together. It's all packaged up there from you. So I think that's- It's all packaged together. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. And hey, look, you know, what's going to be keeping you busy? It sounds like you got the wait list you're working through and supporting those members coming on. So busy time for for Viafly, no doubt. Yeah, there's a lot going on. We've got a few thousand people signed up up for the wait list. Um, Yeah, we're, we're really excited. And I think one of the things that we're focused on in the coming months is- really about sort of how do we enrich these personalized insights and and in particular we're exploring this mental health aspect as well which i think is something that's not covered well enough in existing solutions out there and so we'll be able to in a really sort of evidence-based way we'll be able to get an understanding of how someone's mental health might be going based on their activity data and blood sugar data and heart rate and things like that. So we're kind of already thinking ahead in terms of how can we make and bring sort of mental health into this more holistic framework for people. Love it. Very exciting. We'll put the details for Vively in the show notes of this episode for people to check out in their own time and get in touch and perhaps jump on that wait list too, because it sounds like a really exciting opportunity to, to get a hold of something that's quite difficult for many to grasp. So look, Michelle... Tim, appreciate you coming on the show, having a chat and all the best with things as they rocket ship along. Great chat. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having us. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you made it this far, you're the perfect person that I want to hear from. Our THT Plus audience survey is now open until the end of June, and I personally read every submission. In fact, if you leave a comment in the survey that you heard this promotion in a podcast episode, I promise I'll reply directly to you by email with a personal note of thanks, and I'll even buy you a coffee next time I see you in person. It's pretty easy. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey and have your say. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast player, and for more information, visit talkinghealthtech.com.